Boom. Well, good morning, HSM. <laughs> I am so glad to be here with you this morning. For those of you I do not know, my name is Josh. I am one of the high school interns here at North Star, and I am so glad to be speaking with you this morning, and I am so glad that you have decided to join us this morning. Well, if this is your first time here, or you haven't been here in a few weeks, we have been in a series on the book of Daniel, and we've been going through different stories in Daniel's life that's in the book of Daniel, and we've been taking principles from Daniel's life and trying to apply them to our own lives. So today we're going to be talking about probably the most famous story in the book of Daniel, and it's probably a story that you heard as a child, which I don't know why anybody would ever teach this story to a child. This is not the story that you paint in the Sunday school classroom. This is not a story for children. Not everything in the Bible is for children. So, of course, I'm talking about Daniel in the lion's den. And like I said, you probably heard this story before, but I hope to give it to you in a new way with a new perspective here this morning. So, before we get started, before we get into our story, I want to ask you guys a question, and that will kind of lead us in the direction that we're going this morning. And here's the question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt completely alone? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt completely alone? Now, I want you to think about that for a few seconds, a few minutes, and I'll tell a story of when I felt completely alone. So I remember being a counselor when I was 19 years old, a couple years ago, at a camp called Camp All-American. If you know what Camp All-American is, it's a sports camp over in Johns Creek, Georgia. It's about 45 minutes from here. And like I said, I was a counselor there when I was 19 years old over the summer, and I was in charge of corralling 30 first and second graders. It was crazy. So me and this other girl had to coach and teach these kids basketball. And so she was coaching basketball, and my job for this week was to take care of and look out for these two particular kids who were bad kids. And not only were they bad kids, they didn't speak a lick of English. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was too much. This was the last time I ever worked with first and second graders was this summer. So these two particular kids, I had to look out for these kids. Their names were Louie and Lee. And they... While we were trying to teach them basketball, they decided that it'd be, it would be a good idea to run off. And so, of course, I run after them. And not only did they run off, they also decided to hide. <laughs> and finally, I find these kids. But then, to my horror, I realized that if you start yelling at a kid that doesn't speak English, they have no idea what you're saying. So I had to pull out my phone and you guys will relate to this. I had to get out the Google Translate app. Anybody use the Google Translate app in Spanish or French class or whatever? Yep, yep. So I pull out the Google Translate app. I'm yelling into my phone, and it's talking in the most monotone voice back to these kids. They're yelling back into the phone, and then finally one of the kids decides it's a good idea to spit into the phone. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> But I felt completely alone and completely helpless. I'm looking around like, does anybody else work here? You know, can I just get some help? I felt like LeBron in the playoffs. Can I just get some help, right? 
So that's kind of a funny story. That's my lonely story. But the story we're talking about today isn't really that funny. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to be reading the entire chapter, which don't panic, I've paraphrased it, so it's not near as long. But I want you to follow along in your Bibles. It's not going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to be reading my own version. And I want you to follow along with me. So let me give you a little bit of background on who Daniel is. I know we've talked about him every week in this series, but in case you're here for the first time, Daniel is a Jewish man, and he is in exile. He's in slavery from his homeland. He's been taken from his homeland of Judah, and he's been taken into Babylonian captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar. And he works for the king, and he's worked his way up to a high position of power. And so Nebuchadnezzar, in our stories in previous weeks, he's died, and then his son, Belshazzar, has taken over. And Belshazzar was king for a few years, And then he gets assassinated, and now Persia has taken over Babylon. And Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia, has assigned his friend Darius the Mede to be the new king of Babylon. So that's that's where we pick up our story today. It starts off with King Darius. Here's what it says. King Darius appointed 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Now, if you don't know what a satrap is, it's just a governor. So he's, he's put 120 governors in place to cover the entire kingdom of Babylon. With three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel's worked his way up again to another high position of power. So now Daniel so distinguished himself among the other administrators because of his exceptional qualities that the king decided to set him over the entire kingdom. Now the other administrators were jealous of Daniel, so they tried to find government charges against him to remove him from his his position in office, but they were unable to do so because they could find no corruption in him. He was trustworthy and had great character. Finally, they said, we will never find any charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with his God. So they went to the king and said, king, we have all agreed that you should issue a law that states if anyone prays to any God except for you for the next 30 days, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Now issue the decree and put it in writing so that so that it cannot be altered. And that's exactly what the king did. So this is kind of confusing to us because we can overturn laws here in America. But back then, the king's word was a big deal. So they couldn't, if they put a law in writing, they couldn't just go back on it because you wouldn't want to give the impression to the people that the king was wishy-washy and couldn't make up his mind. So as soon as he puts it in writing, it's a done deal. And here's what it says. When Daniel learned about the new law, He still went home to his upstairs room, got on his knees, and prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Eventually, the men found Daniel praying and went straight to the king. They said, Daniel, who is one of your exiles, pays no attention to you or to your law. He still prays three times every day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. So the king really, really likes Daniel, so he's freaking out. He's in a panic. He's like, oh, no, I've made a law that's completely thrown my best worker under the bus. And so it says he made every effort he could to save Daniel, but the men reminded him the law could not be changed. So the king brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den, and he said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So the king's given in, and he has to do it. So he takes Daniel, and he throws him into the lion's den. It says a stone was placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it so that Daniel's situation could not be changed. 
Then he returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or without any entertainment, and he could not sleep. So this king is tossing and turning all night, but he cannot sleep at all because his favorite person in office, he's just condemned him to death. So it says the next morning at dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in anguish. Daniel, has your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you? And Daniel answered, no doubt with a smile. How could you not say this without just pure joy? He says, my God has sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions because I was found innocent in his sight. The king was overjoyed and lifted Daniel out of the den, and there was no wound found on him because he trusted in God. Then King Darius issued a decree that in every part of his kingdom, people must fear the God of Daniel. And he wrote, the God of Daniel is the living God. His kingdom will not be destroyed, and his reign will never end. He rescues and saves, for he has rescued Daniel from the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and Cyrus the Persian. So that's our story for today. And that brings us to our first point. Point number one, it's going to be up on the screen. It says, Daniel was faithful even when he stood alone. Daniel was faithful even when he stood alone. Why was Daniel faithful? Because Daniel knew that there is always a reward for faithfulness. There's always a reward for faithfulness. Now, that might sound like prosperity gospel to you, that if you just do good things and if you're faithful, that good things will happen to you, but that's not what I'm saying. Because Daniel knew his reward was not in earthly things. It says right here in verse 26 that King Darius issued a decree that in every part of the kingdom... People must fear the God of Daniel. Daniel knew his reward was kings knowing who the true God was. And we see that consistently through all of these stories. We saw it with Nebuchadnezzar. He ended up trusting in God and saying that Daniel's God is the true God. We see it with Belshazzar and now with Darius as well. And there's a reward for our faithfulness as well. And sometimes we may never see the reward until we get to heaven. But here's what we know. There is no regret in being faithful. Nobody ever regrets being faithful. Have you ever heard anybody get to the end of their life and say, you know, I wish I would have been less faithful to my spouse? Or has anybody ever gotten to the end of their life and said, I wish I would have been less faithful to my kids? Nobody ever regrets being faithful and being committed and so I want to ask you a question we've talked about earlier in this series. We talked about this in week one. What are you doing faithfully so that the people around you can see who the true God is? What are you doing faithfully so the people around you can see who the true God is? For Daniel, that was just being a great employee. We see him time and time again raised up to a position of power because he was great at what he did. He was honest, he had integrity, and he was a hard worker. So what is it in your life that you could be doing faithfully so that other people can see God. And it could be something so small, and I don't, I don't know what it is for you, that's for you to decide, but I would like for all of us, myself included, this week, to find something in our lives we can do consistently so that other people can see God. Something small, but something meaningful. My friend Noah makes this quote, and I think it sums up point number one so well. And here's what it is. It says, if you want to do something big for God, 
do something small faithfully. If you want to do something big for God, do something small faithfully. I think we can all apply that this week. I think we see that in Daniel's life all the time. Point number two, and this is the application of point number one. If you want to know how Daniel was faithful, point number two is Daniel prayed consistently. If you want to know why Daniel was able to trust God so much, we've talked about Daniel's peace and Daniel's confidence and Daniel's trust this whole series. If you want to know why he was able to trust God so much, it's because he prayed consistently. And you guys know this in your own lives. You don't trust people that you don't know. You don't trust people you don't know. But Daniel trusted God because he knew God, and he knew God because he prayed. We see it in verse 10. It says, when Daniel learned about the decree, he went straight home to his upstairs room, got on his knees, and prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Notice Daniel has a specific time in a specific place every single day, and he prays consistently. It doesn't say that when he heard the decree, he went out of his way to prove to anybody that he was praying. It's not like he prayed and then went and posted it all over social media or whatever and was like, hey, look at me, I'm praying. He just did what he always did. It was just routine for him. He just did the same thing that he had always done. And so I feel like that kind of begs the question, what's the big deal with prayer? I mean, what is, what is prayer all about? And contrary to popular belief, prayer is not about asking God for stuff. Prayer really simply is about a personal relationship with God and surrendering our will to God's will. That's it. Personal relationship with God, surrendering our will to God's will. Here's a good, good quote to kind of sum up what prayer is about. Prayer is not to get stuff from God. Prayer is for God to get stuff from us. Prayer is simply saying, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. That's the purpose of prayer, surrendering our will to God's will. And we don't naturally like that because we don't typically want God's will for our lives. We mostly just want God's approval of our will for our lives. But if that's all we want, if we just want God's approval of our own will, we're going to be disappointed every time. But if you want to go deeper and more personal with God, if you ever hear somebody that's been walking with God for a long time say, I've just got such a deep relationship with God, or I've got such a personal relationship with God, I bet you if you were to ask them, they pray consistently because prayer is the way to a deep and personal relationship with God and not just prayer, consistent prayer like Daniel had. Same time, same place, maybe a cup of coffee and a nice view if you're into that kind of thing, but same time, same place every day. Get on your knees and pray and it will change your life. Because you will feel accountable to God if you pray and talk to him every single day. Point number three, and this is kind of the main point of the entire message. If you could sum up the entire message, it's trusting God when you feel alone. This is the main point right here, point number three. Daniel's lowest point was not his loneliest point. Because the truth is, and Daniel knew this, he was never actually alone in the first place. Daniel was never alone in the first place, and neither are we. You see that in verse 22. It says, my God has sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions because I was found innocent in his sight. We see that Daniel was not the only one in the lion's den. 
that God was there with him. He had sent an angel to protect Daniel. This reminds me of Psalm 23. It doesn't say, you keep me from the valley of the shadow of death. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And that's what this message is about. It's not about being rescued by God. It's about God being with us even when he doesn't rescue us. Because we know this. Sometimes in our lives, there is no rescue. Most of the time, we have to endure suffering in our lives. But I don't want us to think that just because we're suffering, that God has somehow left us. He hasn't. To which you might ask, well, why doesn't God just stop all the evil and suffering in the world? And there's a really simple answer for that. Free will and sinners. That's it. That's why God doesn't stop all the evil in the world. There's free will and there's sinful people. And if there's sinful people in free will, evil can find a way in. Evil and suffering can and will find a way in. But we're lucky that God doesn't stop all the evil in the world because he didn't stop the greatest act of evil in the world, and that's his innocent son being crucified. In fact, there's only one truly bad thing that's ever happened to one truly good person, and he volunteered for it. He volunteered for it. Band, you can go ahead and make your way to the front. So let me ask you again, just like we did at the beginning. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt alone? Of course you have. We all have. I have. Every single one of you has. Daniel did. Even Jesus did. I mean, isn't that what Jesus said when he was on the cross? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Isn't that what he said? Even Jesus felt alone. And for me, that's comforting that if I ever feel alone in my life and my trials and struggles, that even the Son of God felt alone at some point. That's comforting for me. So if you've ever felt abandoned by God, if you're ever thinking, God, where are you? Jesus knows that pain. Jesus knows what you're going through. But God had a purpose for Jesus' pain. And God has a purpose for your pain too. We just got to trust him. Just like Daniel did. Just like Jesus did. And just like we should do. God has a purpose for your pain. I don't want us to forget that. I don't want us to forget in the dark what's so obvious to us in the light. It's so easy to trust God when times are going good in our lives. It's not as easy to trust God when times are going bad, but I want us to be able to trust God regardless of our circumstances. I wanna tell you guys a story from history that kind of sums up what the trust I'm talking about is, the trust that Daniel had, the trust that Jesus had, and the trust that we should have. I wanna tell you a story. It's about a tightrope walker from the 1850s. His name was Charles Blondin, and he was French, but he came to America to tour the country and put on a show, wanted to make it big. 
And he toured all over the place. And he would stretch a 1,200-foot tightrope across any gorge or chasm or whatever, 160 feet above the ground. And he would walk across it. And his most famous show that he ever did was over Niagara Falls, stretching from Canada to America. And thousands of people showed up to watch him. And he would walk back and forth across the tightrope, not just once, over and over again. And then to really put on a show, sometimes he would walk backwards across the tightrope. And then sometimes he would go and he'd sit down on the tightrope in the middle just to prove how good he was. Say one time he even took a plate out into the middle of the tightrope and had breakfast in front of the whole crowd. But his most famous stunt he ever did at Niagara Falls was he pushed a wheelbarrow across the gorge. Pushed a wheelbarrow. And he did it a couple of times, and then he looked at the crowd, and he asked a question. He says, who believes I can push this wheelbarrow back to the other side? Everybody goes crazy. Like, woo, yeah, you can push a wheelbarrow across the other side. You just did it. And he asked again. He said, no, who actually believes I can push this wheelbarrow back one more time? Everybody's, woo. And then he asked him another question. He says, all right, well, then who's getting in the wheelbarrow and going back with me? Silence. Everybody looks around. Nobody says anything. Looks at the crowd. Says that's the difference between belief and trust right there. That's it. It's not enough to just believe. You got to trust. Trust takes action. You got to get in the wheelbarrow and go back with me. It's not enough to just believe in God in our lives. We got to trust God in our lives. Just like Daniel. And just like Jesus. And our trust doesn't need to be in our circumstances or in the stability of life, just like our trust wouldn't be in the rope or the wheelbarrow or the waves crashing around us. Our trust should only be in the one who can carry us through. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? We got one more song for you guys. Before we do that, I'm gonna pray for us. And then Natalie and the band's going to take it away. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day that we can be here at HSM. Thank you for every student that's in this room. Thank you for the opportunity for me to be able to speak in front of them. All I ask this morning is that you would just remind us that no matter what we go through, we're not alone. And you give us the power to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.